Hey everyone, and welcome to 1.21 Overload. I am Peter, that is Matt, and we talk about movies on this show. Specifically for this show, every month we pick a film that we each like. I pick one I like, Matt picks one he likes. We put it up for a vote on patreon.com slash TV, and our patrons decide which one we're going to end up doing. So, my pick one, because Matt picked an action movie, and then I said, wait, this is for December, I'm picking Die Hard. And it was it was a bit of a low blow, because obviously... Die Hard was going to win. Who you point me to somebody that doesn't like Die Hard, I'll point to a liar. <laughs> and and I will put up my wife. She says she doesn't like Die Hard, but she likes Hans Gruber. Because come on, <laughs> filthy lies, all filthy lies. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll talk about Die Hard. Uh, normally, this is the part where I say we'll start spoiler free and we'll give you warning in the middle. <laughs> I'm wondering if there's any point because it's yeah. Die Hard. <laughs> You'll be Mr. Falcon. It's die hard. So, you know what? Full spoilers, in case you need the warning. Oh. I'm not going to hold back. It's fine. So, here we go. So, naturally, this is something we'd both seen before. And it's something mm-hmm. that I, I imagine we've both, both grown up with since a relatively mm-hmm. early age. Probably Here's- much younger than we should have been watching it. Yeah, well, probably for you because that's your like your, that's your superhero origin story. <laughs> as you were watching things way before. Mine's the opposite where... We waited, but no, this was one that my dad just loved. And, like, it wasn't part of this Christmas tradition as it has become in the last couple of years. But if it was on TV, dad was watching it. It was one of, like, the first ones I remember being on cable a lot. Hmm. So, you know, always the edited version that has, you know, weird words substituted and cut away from the more violent aspects. So... Um, still fun nonetheless. Like this is a classic. Yeah, no, this is. It's funny how how new this actually was when I was first watching it. Because 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 when you were a kid in the nineties, right? <laughs> I say that as if anyone else can become a kid in the nineties. But when we were kids <laughs> in the nineties, um, movies that were from the eighties felt old, even though it wasn't actually that long. That, that's like me saying now that the first Avengers is old. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not even close to no. being old. But movies at the time. And it's funny that I'm, I'm think, I think back now to like 95, 96, maybe when I was first watching this, <laughs> when I shouldn't have been. Um, and I'm like, oh, this feels like an old movie. And I'm watching it now, and like earlier on in the film, Argyle in the, in the limo is bragging that the limo has VHS. And I'm like, oh man, that line's dated a bit. And I thought, you know, the first the first time I watched this, that would have still been a relevant thing to brag about because yeah. VHS was still the the, the, the top dog in home entertainment. Yeah, well, <laughs> and it's also in a limo. It's not like it's just like, hey, I have a VHS player because like, yeah, who doesn't? But oh yeah, even in '88, it's we got a VHS player. In I feel a limo. like no, what what they would just be. Oh, we've got Wi-Fi. <laughs> Wi-Fi yeah. is in the limo, and that's it. Fine, great. So this is a bit of a sidetrack. I don't understand how Wi-Fi works in a plane. <laughs> so if someone wants to hit me up on twitter and explain it to me is it does it involve satellites what's going on here i would imagine magic I, I mean I, I don't i don't know for sure my assumption uh-huh. would be that the plane has an industrial level uh like oh, oh think think so, so, so when you don't have wi-fi you have you know, your 4g 5g whatever my assumption would be that the plane has a industrial level that's you know we wouldn't normally have access to right and then it distributes it through wi-fi through the plane okay so yes it would come from satellite i guess is what i'm saying it comes from a satellite all right but yeah so so if you know for sure just hit me up on twitter this is all we have to talk about i just i i don't understand it so someone knowledgeable on the subject can can definitely chime in on it because i'm just guessing for some for some Uh, reasonable common sense although speaking of things that have dated I'm not even sure if this was allowed in the 80s, but I'm I'm definitely sure it's not allowed now, is for a regular cop to go on a plane with his gun. <laughs> no. I mean, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't even know if it was normal then, but... Yeah, I'm not sure, seems... yeah. I, yeah. Even I mean, in the 80s, I feel like that's a weird thing, that, 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 that yeah. you know, a, a regular, you know, NYPD, you know, sergeant well, or whatever he, he is. He's a detective, is. but still, you feel like he'd have to declare it, Yeah. and they would know that he has it, but I always took that as he plays by his own rules. So he always carries it with him, you know. Not that McLean's a loose cannon. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter but... if he plays by his own rules. If, if airport security doesn't want to let him on with it, they ain't letting him on with no, it. No, I know. I'm talking in the, in the the scope of the movie. Okay, like, sure. Yeah. They show us him with the you know his gun on the plane, as as he plays by his own rules. Like, yeah, he shouldn't have it there, but he does. So 
Or maybe he just flashed his badge at security and they just let him through because security wasn't like it was, you know, yeah. I, I guess 30 years ago like it is now or even 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I don't want to just turn this into all these all the things that have dated since 1988 yeah, when this came yeah. out. But there's a few things I was noticing. Oh, just him smoking in the airport kind of like felt dated as well. But the reason why I, I think it's worth bringing up is kind of like how Argyle was bragging. A lot of the building, Nakatomi Plaza, is kind of bragging at their fancy computer system and bragging about the technology in it. So now it, it, it's kind of worth mentioning because now it does feel like, eh, well, this is funny because we're like the late years ahead of so, this stuff now. So we, we've both seen Skyscraper, which is just Die Hard in a Skyscraper skyscraper which is redundant but you know no, see, that's my problem with skyscrapers that it's not yeah. die hard in a skyscraper it, it should be die hard in a skyscraper and it isn't yeah well i'm saying that's what it was aiming for yeah so i'm wondering i'm wondering if in you know 30 years you know kids now are going to look back and think how dated that is or if it's just going to be silly like oh this is what they thought they were going to do yeah, I feel you like know? that one's going to come across as more silly because this one I don't think does any ridiculous leaps. It's just kind of, you know, yeah. like it's, 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 they've got a touchscreen system. Although, here's a question: so when John McLean arrives at the building, right, he goes up to the receptionist and the guy's like, "Oh, you're looking for so and so. Oh, you have to go into the system and like find her and see what it'll tell you where she is." Yeah. So he, he, you know, he does the whole thing where he taps and he doesn't have McLean as the last name; it's Gennaro, right. and that sets up that character beat. That's cool. And then it's like, oh, she's on the 30th floor. And then the guy at the desk says, oh, yeah, the Christmas party. They're the only ones left in the building. The elevator's over there. I'm like, then why did you make him look in the computer? If they're the only ones left in the building, why do they have to check? Yeah. Very absent-minded security, which you don't want, right? Like... (laughs) I'm just, uh, you know, I've seen this movie like 50 times maybe. I don't know how many times yeah. I've watched it, but <laughs> watching it again, I'm just yelling at the security yeah. guard for being an idiot. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's yeah. why security, you know, we need we need that. But, but yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Trying to think of some of the other things that come off like that, and none of them are, you know. Yeah, there's not a whole uh, lot. I mean, obviously the big thing is is that uh, the existence of cell phones kind of ruined the plot. At least the first half of the plot, you know. Because yeah. a lot of the first half of the movie is John McClane trying to contact the outside world. And because right. they've cut the phone lines, he's trying through, you know, the fire alarm, he's trying through the, the, the radios, right. uh, which is how he eventually gets them. But right. it's, uh, you know, so, so that, that would be one of those obstacles that's kind of removed if you, if you do this movie now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I guess you... Oh, the building's got cell block. You know, kind of like how some theaters and things like that have mm-hmm. blockers for cell phones. Maybe you could say, "Oh, the, yeah. the building has that because reasons." Yeah, uh, uh, you can, you can build it in there, like yeah. you know, uh, and, and it would still work. But part of part of the fun of this one is seeing how McLean deals with all of this because they really set him. They really stack the cards against him because all this goes down as he's getting changed, and he's completely out of his element. Well, you and, see, it as he's getting changed. It happens as he is attempting to make fists with his toes, as per instructed yep. by the uh, the guy in the plane who was making small. Yeah, the traveling there. salesman. That's been he's been traveling for what did you say, twenty years? That was nine years. Uh, <laughs> nine years. That's what it was. Yeah. Might as well have been twenty. Oh, uh, but yeah, which I've tried that, and it's not as what it's cracked up to be. Like I don't think it's this life changing <laughs> thing. <laughs> I'm not sure it ever was meant to be. I, I think the writer just thought of that. <laughs> just sitting down. Yeah, but you know, as a kid, you try it. Oh, and sure, just yeah. Like, this, this is like, sure. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so, no, I mean, Die, Die Hard... Uh, I often think of Die Hard as being the, the perfect action movie. Not to spoil mm-hmm. kind of the overall feelings on it or anything, but it, it's... Anyone who knows me knows I love a bottle story. And I love a bottle story that's set in like one night or one, you know, extended period of time. It's not like cutting through times and days and, and months and years or whatever. And there's something about just having it all in one location, having it almost be in real time. In fact, 24, I think, is largely inspired by things like Die Hard. The 24 mm-hmm. wouldn't exist without Die Hard. Yeah. Um, and... Having that bottle situation where it is just like, and part of why I like it is a, it makes things inventive, but it also me, 
I feel like by the end of the movie, and as you go through a movie like this, you learn the location very well. You you know you mm-hmm. go through the same locations multiple times, but you know you 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 get to know the reception area, and you come back there multiple times. You get to know the the floor that's under construction. You come back there multiple times. Right. You get to know the floor yeah. where the party's on, and they're all like you know there as hostages. You come back there multiple times. It, I feel like you get to know the roof. Like there's a lot of locations yeah. in the building that you feel like you start to understand the layout. You of. get the geography. Like even in like you brought up where they're having the party. Mm. As you know, where where Gruber and his his guys are holed up, where the hostages are, you know, like because we keep bouncing back, and McTiernan does a real good job at setting those. So you get the lay of the land, and you can kind of get where where McLean can pop in and out as he's playing cat and mouse with with Gruber. Yeah, I actually, I really, he's a really good director, and it's it's, it's something that I I, I I grew up watching this. I grew up watching Predator, which uh, John McTiernan also directed. I I don't think I, I realized it as a kid, of course, but watching it again because me and Connor did Predator uh, earlier in the to year. Predator, the Predator, yeah, right. and yeah. I never actually realized just how well directed that movie was. How how much of that film is good because of the direction and how yeah. it handles? Because because anyone can go and shoot a movie in the jungle, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, but to make a coherent movie in the jungle, that's. Well, to make a you coherent know? movie, but also to make one that's constantly engaging, that you never feel like mm-hmm. you're bored because you're in the same green backdrop, you know, right. for, you know, two hours. Um, yeah. I, I'd almost go as far to say that Predator might be the better technical directed movie compared to Die Hard. But I think Die Hard is the better movie overall because it, it just, every, all the all the elements come together, right? You you have the great hero in John McCain, who's kind of a flawed kind of everyday guy. Has you know one of the things I love about it is when he gets into fights with the with the bad guys. It's not it's not like he's that expert of a fighter, or the bad guys are even experts. It, it's really like Russell Russell and Bustle kind of like just slamming each other into walls and trying to strangle each other, and kind of it's kind of messy, and it's kind of you know a, you know you can appreciate that. Um, and he feels like a sort of just down to earth kind of guy. Uh, you know, that's something that kind of went away as the movies went on. I mean, by the time you get to four, he's kind of a Terminator. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the, the dude uses a car as a weapon launched into a yeah. helicopter. He is no longer the everyman. Yes. Um, yes. Needless to say, I quite enjoy four for what it is. Uh, I, I still haven't seen the fifth one. Four. But... I remember thinking four was okay when I saw it when it came out. I've not really seen it since. Five was absolute garbage. Yeah, I think you steered me clear of that one. You're like, just, just don't. Yeah, no. Like, I, it's, you're, you're gonna be disappointed. Um, I mean, if if Jay Courtney playing his son wasn't a warning sign, then yeah. that that said, as we record today, they announced that the the, the prequel slash reboot, whatever they want to call it, uh, McLean is gonna be R rated, which that, that's good because you don't want a PG thirteen. Well, so was five, so it doesn't really help it. No, but this is different. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> it's relevant to the news. <laughs> like, I don't um, really want a John McLean origin story. Die Hard is his origin story. It's fine. Yeah, but if they if it's what I hear, it's gonna be where it's it's got older McLean and younger McLean, and they're tied by one you know story that goes back, and it's like generational. I'm down for that. Like, oh god, no, it sounds awful, Matt. I'm I'm not in for yeah, it. It sounds like garbage. I don't want. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I enjoy two and three. Three in particular is quite mm. enjoyable. Um, but Die Hard never needed a sequel. Die Hard never needed to oh, be a franchise. Oh no, franchise. never. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I'm just saying, if you know, from what I hear, I'm I'm down for it. And it could be a total mess. You know, it's a lot, a lot of stuff happens. But mm. you know, as it stands right now, uh, it's got to be it's got to be better than five, though. <laughs> like, that's not a, a tall bar to leap. I understand, but still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. No, I don't know. I don't know about this. Uh, so yeah, you have John McClane. You have Hans Gruber, played by Alan Rickman, uh, the late great mm-hmm. Alan, Alan Rickman, and he is phenomenal in this movie. He he steals every scene he's in. Yep. Um, reading about the production of this, the writer said that they basically made him the protagonist because the whole movie happens. Or not that he's the protagonist, but they wrote it as if he was because a lot of the story moves because of what Gruber does. And McLean's reacting to a lot of what Gruber does. And so from that, that's where the story developed from. And I like that uh, structure. No, that's smart because in in a story like this, and at least until a certain point where McLean maybe comes up with a plan Mm -hmm. to try and fight back, he is just kind of trying to survive and trying to get help. 
yeah. through a lot of it and that 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 works making making the villain kind of the one it's, it's kind of a visuals affinity war in a way kind of Th- thanos is the is the one driving the plot <laughs> yeah that is holy crap never, never thought about that and thanos looks a lot like bruce willis now so i mean yeah that's, that's so <laughs> oh my god you can imagine like infinity war in the 90s and bruce willis is the voice of thanos like the voice just paint him purple he already looks like <laughs> well i don't i don't know if they would do that i feel like it'd be a big puppet with with the voice you know ninja turtle style um, uh, i don't I know if this. i want this this the shambles that you're 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 oh, pitching me here picture me get roger corman on it so uh no gruber's great and he and he's doing it all through a, an accent as well you know that's not, not obviously rickman's english so no but it's it's close enough that like i don't know it's just hans gruber to me now um and it sounds like rickman enough that i don't i only pick up on certain words that he's doing a german ish Oh, I don't know about that. I feel like the entire thing's steeped well, in a German accent. <laughs> yeah, well, I think you're a little bit closer to it than I am. To my to my dumb American ears, it sounds like Alan Rickman. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's Snake. Nah, like, it's, it's a very impressive accent. He's very consistent with it throughout. In fact, amusingly, the only time it falters is not that it's not his German accent that falters. It's when he's doing yeah. the fake American accent. And mm-hmm. this is insane to me, but he actually lets his German accent slip through the American one. He he does a very good, he does a great impression of an of, of a German doing a fake American accent and his German accent slipping through, even though that even that accent is not his real accent. That's very yeah. impressive. <laughs> yeah, 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 that dude. Uh, that's one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie is when he comes across him, um, and apparently that wasn't in the original script. That came from McTiernan. Hmm. That McTiernan wanted to have them meet through this um, subterfuge. Uh, so they could have, so he could have Willis and, um, Rickman in the same scene together, uh, before the end. So that that's pretty fun. Yeah. That, I, I get yeah. why as a director, he's like, no, no, I want them in the same scene. I want them to look in each other's eyes mm-hmm. and stare, stare each other down, uh, before things yeah. go, go off. But it's such a well-directed tense scene. Cause we know, but McLean doesn't know. So. Ah, but he does um, though. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, so. he's smart enough to suspect it at the very least so he right he he may not know it's him specifically you know it's specifically he Gruber, knows he's but, one of the guys yeah, yeah. but he he suspects um, so he doesn't give him a loaded gun so let's go so right. us, yeah. i yeah um i yeah there's a lot of little details actually I, I think i noticed a line this time watching it that i'd never noticed before uh see when mclean first arrives and he goes up to the office and he meets takagi and takagi takes him out to holly's office and Ellis is sitting there, and he, like, I always noticed that he was, you know, he was he was having cocaine, right? Because he was he kind of wipes right. the desk, and he was kind of like sniffing in a bit. But mm-hmm. I don't think I ever noticed McLean just quickly saying saying a line, "You miss some," oh, and, then, man. and then he wipes his his mustache a little bit. I, I don't think I ever noticed that moment for whatever reason before. Um, uh, like, all right, okay. I don't think I've noticed that one either. Because to, to be fair, the number of times I've actually watched it straight through pills in comparison to the times i've just watched it on cable um mm. so it, it gets all chopped up but i'm gonna have to pay attention because i don't think i've ever caught that one either yeah it's, it's when he comes in and he comes up and takagi's kind of introducing him he says like oh this, this is a uh, holly's husband uh, a policeman <laughs> for, right. from new york and uh, john just kind of smirks and goes oh you missed some and he just kind of wipes his face and i was like oh okay I mean, not that I thought I never. I never thought that McLean didn't know exactly what he was doing, but I, I never remembered yeah. there been an exact line where he's pointing out, "I know exactly what you were just doing." Yeah, yeah. yeah. So God, Alice is so terrible. Alice is terrible. Right. Someone blew my mind uh, earlier this year. Uh-huh. Uh, the actor playing Ellis is also the dumb, like honky guy in Supergirl, the movie that they're fighting over. Okay. Yeah, it's been forever since I've seen the Helen Slater Supergirl. Yeah, so. well. This blew my mind because someone pointed out that this they spend Supergirl fighting over Ellis from Die Hard, and I went, "Wait a minute, that's the same actor this whole time! Holy shit!" It just weirded hmm. me out because he's Ellis. <laughs> he's such a loser. Yeah, he is. He's, he's so such a y- he's such a yuppie. He's such an eighties yuppie. Yeah, yeah. The, the, he's got the, the the bad looking beard, 
the bad suit, like, mm. and he thinks he's the best. And it's just, it's every 80s stereotype that I hate in one person. It's, uh, see, when he comes to negotiate with uh, Gruber, because he wants to, like, pretend mm-hmm. that he's John's friend. But, to his, right. you know what, I'm going to give him a little bit of credit. He ne- he neglects to mention, because he, he could have said that Holly was, was uh, his, right. his wife. He, he could have actually told him that, and he chose not to. He chose to keep that secret. So there was at least right. a hint, and just a little pinch of honour in, you know. yeah in there but every line he says when he comes to like pitch this oh i'll i'll give i'll give him to you he keeps like throwing words like capiche at the end of the sentence or or smirking and be like hey you feel me and you know things like that well and it's the i i negotiate million dollar deals on the daily i could handle some terrorists i was like (laughs) no you can't like not the same thing i know to your coke-addled brain it probably is the same but yeah, I love how uh, Gruber, when he comes in, like tries to make them think it's a terrorist thing because he, you know, he, mm-hmm. he reads this kind of not manifesto, but like a like a little speech, and then all all it is, as Holly points out, you're nothing but common thieves, and of course he says, "No, I am an exceptional thief." Thief, nothing common. Yeah, <laughs> um, I like when he makes the demands to the police to get these people out that he calls his compatriots, mm. and he gets to uh, Asian Don. And even one of the his his fellow crew members look at him and goes, "No, I I saw him and I read about him in Time." Yeah, like uh, it's so good. Like Gruber, it's so hard to hate Hans Gruber in this, you know, up up until the end. But or it's so easy to love to hate him. <laughs> or yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's very charismatic. You always like when he's yeah. on screen, even though he's the bad mm-hmm. guy. Uh, yeah, which he's, is a good sign. A, like like in wrestling, he's that he's that Shawn Michaels like heel, you know, where you're like. <laughs> Oh, he's a shit, but uh, I love him being bad. And so. Bruce Willis is, and Neil McLean's obviously stone cold because he's the every man who's got a bit of an attitude. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, right. That's right. There you go. Uh, so yeah, so obviously a lot of the movies, him sneaking around the building and he's trying to take mm-hmm. out the terrorists, if you want to even call them that, but it's just easy to call them that. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I, I, one of my favorite scenes about forty minutes into the movie. Is you know he's tried calling the fire fire department or you know with the fire alarm and it's not worked. They've turned them around, and he's he's trying to call from the roof. He gets through, and the police dispatch think he's in a just a, a crazy prank caller. That's all. That's all they think. Right. But they kind of hear what sounds like gunshots at the end of it. So this this you know they, they call in Al. It's like Al, put down the Twinkies, go and check out this this mm-hmm. building, and he comes in. I love. That you think it's all over, that you think that Al's going away, that he's he's leaving and nothing's coming of it. And McLean is like, you know what? No, I'm getting this guy's attention. So he throws mm-hmm. a dead body at his car and then shoots around the car uh, so that he knows something's up, which, you know, leads right. to the, the, the cavalry coming in. Yep. I love that scene. And, and the whole uh, McLean and Al relationship is really good too. Oh, yeah. Like, they do... They do so much through the radio in this movie, whether it's it's McLean and Gruber or McLean and Al or McLean and the FBI. Like, it's so well done. Uh, yeah, I think what I like about it and what I, I was thinking about as I was watching it this time is that every single thing that he says over the radio to Al or Gruber can be heard by the other party. Every, every single, yep. no, nothing is being is secretive when they're, they're, they're broadcasting. I think in my head I remembered like having different ch- frequencies so that maybe yeah. they thought they were like maybe not being listened to. But that, that's no, why... It's he, all CB. Because that, that's why he never... Uh, at least until it's you know discovered later on, he never tells right. uh, Al his real name. Not because he doesn't want Al to know his name, but because he knows Gruber and Core are they, listening. Yep. Or, or they could be uh, listening at least. So And yeah. so it's, it's him being smart. Um and you know, uh, how because I I I always I always start laughing when they introduce uh, the reporter character because he uh he's this slimy douchebag and they they set up just how much of a jerk he is and how you know how much of an asshole he is, uh to the point where he's you know he's banging down the door to the, the home the, you know the the Gennaro home to talk to the kids oh. and he's like to to, to the to the, the the nanny he's like hey yeah, this will be the last time I get to speak to the parents let me in, <laughs> and yeah. I'm like you are such a piece of shit. Oh. Or when he threatens the the one lady that he's gonna call INS. Yeah, that was the same lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oof, it's yeah. like oh, this guy. But uh, he's so good at playing slimy douchebags because oh, yeah. he's the he's, um, he's, he's uh, Walter Peck from Ghostbusters. It's the same actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. William Atherton. Yeah. So yeah, he's God. He had quite a run there in the eighties. No, he did. So, he, he he played the, the the asshole 
douchebag mm. pretty much consistently for a while. Yep. Uh, impressively, might I add. So no, I he he he's a great character, and he's, he's a very minor character, but he's great, and he yeah. but he, he basically exists for one purpose. He he's how Gruber learns about McLean and and Holly. Like he, that's how he, you know because he sees Holly react to the kids on TV, and yeah. is like, wait, what? Why is she looking at him? Or why why does she care about the kids? And that's what makes right. him look at the photograph. Um. So no, I I I, I like that. Um, and I, I respect this movie as well. Compared to some modern action movies, it, it it does this great thing where, and it's it's not even that smart, but by like screenwriting standards, it, it's not. I don't want to praise it too much, but I want to praise <laughs> it in the sense that blockbuster action movies have lost this art form, and it really bugs me. Is mm-hmm how it sets up just simple character arcs at the start of the movie. I mentioned earlier yeah. on how the, the touchscreen, um, that's how, you, so he gets annoyed that she's not using his name, but it doesn't right. actually tells you that. It just it just lets it, you figure it out yourself, you get it through context, yeah. and you, you, you get the relationship up in the office with them, and you get the, the chemistry between them, you get Argyle figuring it out. Everything feels like it just neatly gives you enough so that you can figure out what yeah. the, 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 the concept is of what their marriage is going through right now. Yeah, it's well crafted. Like, yeah. and I don't feel like there's a lot of that in action movies. I but feel it, like, but it's not that complicated. They lean though, on, you know, it's... no. But I feel like a lot of them nowadays lean on just being big and dumb, mm. and they're like, oh, people come and see him because it's you know, the Fast and the Furious are are guilty of this big time, you know, where they're just these big loud action movies. They're fun, but they're you know. They don't make you care about the characters like. Well, like this is Die the thing though. I, I feel like most of them do have like some sort of like side to it like this where oh the, 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 you know the relationship's breaking down and by the end they're going to be back mm-hmm. together or or whatever right and, and fast and the furious yeah. is always ah family this family that but right. i feel like what's separating them here though and it's again it's not that complicated it's a fairly simple no. script in 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 this sense but it, it sets it up in a way where you understand it and you get the the, the rift between them and so later on in the film and john mcclain's like saying to al have like you know if I don't make it through this, tell my wife I'm sorry. Yeah. Like you know, but you care just a little bit. But I think what's impressive about it compared to modern action movies is that modern action movies they'll just tell you everything at the start. They'll they'll just as yeah. quickly as humanly possible. They'll have characters explain how they feel and why they feel that way. And I'm like, no, no, yeah. this movie doesn't explain it. We we learn, and it's relatively sure. quickly. But it you learn through the through the the, the dialogue and the reactions. Like, okay, so she moved out here for work and he didn't want to leave because of that. Uh, and Argyle kind of cracks a joke, this is why it really was. And, and then, it, But you yeah. get it kind of through what's going on. Modern action movies, though, they'll set it up in the opening scene. They'll, they'll just quickly tell you very blatantly what, what, the, yeah. what the relationship is. And that'll be it. Like, yeah, well, it's show, don't tell. Yeah. You know? it's This shows. It doesn't tell you. Like like you're saying, the the scene at the, the touchscreen where you yeah. find out that... It's Gennaro, not McLean. Even the the way she she walks in and reacts to him being there, you know, but mm-hmm. Takagi and and Ellis are in the room, so she has to kind mm-hmm. of like play the 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 happy wife that her husband's back, right. but it's also kind of awkward. And you get the chemistry, the acting's there, the direction's mm-hmm. there to to tell yeah. you what's going on between them. Um, and then the the fight between them afterwards, where he kind of brings up the name thing, and they get kind of agitated at each other. You know, it, it it could almost make McLean unlikable, but as soon as she leaves the room, he bangs his head in the wall and like you know yeah. is is clearly upset himself for for you, putting yeah, it down that path. Yeah, you adult. Yeah. So yeah, and that's what Willis has always been good at. Like, as great as Schwarzenegger and Stallone were, I always felt like Willis could play vulnerable much better than the other two. Well, you know? I, yeah, I think he's a better actor than the others, but he's also you know more of a normal sized man. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah but i'm just thing. saying like like he's just at the conveying the emotions you know mm. like i just always felt like my dad always pointed out like you saw bruce cry you never really saw stallone or or schwarzenegger you know like willis wasn't afraid to have that tough guy part of him but also show the the sensitive side so i always like that because in, in die hard 2 there's a scene where, where things go really bad and he's on the runway, and he ends up losing it. Um, I feel, so. I feel like Stallone probably did end up crying in the later Rocky movies, but I, I, I mm-hmm. don't know for sure. I'm just guessing. I can't remember. Yeah, I feel uh, like old yeah, man Stallone's willing to do that. Maybe not 80s Stallone. Though. Well, yeah, yeah. Now I feel you know, 
Um, same same with Schwarzenegger. I feel like now they're they're along that lines. But uh, but after a heyday, you know, Arnold was Commando. Like he wasn't crying; he was ripping off arms and beating people with them. <laughs> <laughs> As he should have been, quite frankly. Yes. Uh, carrying logs like they're like they're nothing. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Oh dear. Um. So oh, I mean, obviously, there's the 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 big moments that everyone remembers: the shoot the glass, the ho ho ho, I've got a machine gun, the uh, you know shooting through the table, you know all these little set pieces. And that's why I love. Like people think of action movies, they think of big set pieces. I love how small they are in this movie. It's just like him scrambling under a table whilst the guy's shooting at him. Um, but you know, these days it has to be, oh no, the helicopter's flipping as the character's falling from it 10 times. And you know, we're going to drive a car through a building to another building. Like, it's, <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, cool. That'll be cool to look at, but and I, I'm not against doing the big dumb stuff. I'm, I'm not against no, that either. at all. I, I guess what I'm saying is, is I feel like action cinema over the last three decades has to, it's, it's felt like they have to keep getting bigger because, oh, that's yeah. the only way to improve. And I'm like, no, no, no. Just make it smart, like just. And yeah. when I say smart, I don't mean make the, the overall plot smart. I'm saying, just have an inventive little thing. If you've got a thing that's just in a room, like between two people mm-hmm. shooting each other, you can make that inventive. And that, that's what this table scene yeah. is. It's just an inventive little way of making this mm-hmm. more than just two people shooting each other. Well, you keep saying too, it's it's simple, and it's it's in that simplicity is why yeah. it's kind of genius, you know. So it's. it's kind of filmmaking 101 like you can learn a lot about filmmaking from watching this because they're not these big crazy set pieces you can kind of if you're in film school watch a lot of these scenes and kind of restage and reenact them yeah a lot of them yeah i mean obviously once he's, jump, once he's jumping off the roof yeah. of the fire hose sure i mean you were getting into right. bigger that's territory a bit. but yeah we're throwing bodies onto cop cars like that's, that's a yeah. little different but but yeah but a, yeah a, a lot of the action you could replicate you know replicate for the most yeah. part, yeah, you you could, um, so no, I mean, you, you got all the big set pieces, but uh, and obviously the the the, you know, the gun strapped to his back at the end, and um, yep. the yippee ki and all the rest of it. The, oh, so you know the the when when Gruber meets his end because mm. he has Holly's watch, and he and you know McLean lets the band go. Uh, I was reading that they had Rickman hooked up to to take the fall on the soundstage, mm-hmm. but they didn't tell him exactly when they were going to go. So that look of fear is a hundred percent real. Yeah. When, and I, when I love that go. that camera's running at like some ridiculous frames per second for the slow motion. Yep. So you just get yep. this slow realization that he's falling on yep. his face. Oh, and it's so perfect. And, and you hear horror stories of other direct, like directors just doing stuff like torturing actors to get that. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that it was something as simple as they have the camera going and they just let it go. Like it's, I, I point that out to my wife and she's like, oh yeah, you could definitely see the realization through his eyes. Like, uh, yeah, that's good. Even, even just that little subtle touch where it's the watch, it's the watch the company yep. gave her that they have to let yep. off. Cause it's, it's the thing that's holding her, you know, to death basically. Yeah. Well, and then, and then the shot of the, from the ground watching Gruber fall, like you're just like, man, they were up there, weren't they? Because he falls for a while. Yeah, Joe, you know I like I like the the lesson of this movie. Like I say, the lesson, but the the arc for John is basically accepting that he was the bad guy. Like, yeah. you know, because because this could actually go in a really in a wrong direction where Holly's, oh, I'm sorry, I left and moved to California. When really he was the asshole for not coming with her because he can be a cop in LA. <laughs> he doesn't need to be in New York to be a cop. No, uh, she got this career. Uh, but move. I love. I love that kind of culture shock he gets with with L.A. versus New York. Yeah, like yeah. it's been done to death now, but in '88, like, um, just the come out, uh, come out to the coast, we'll have a few laughs. <laughs> you know, I just that's so iconic and great. But him just looking at California like this weird place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got a bit of a New York accent in this. I was I was noticing mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. Particularly, it was actually when he says California, he sort of mutters California to himself as yeah. the the girl jumps onto the guy's arms at the airport. Yep, he's kind of muttering it to himself. He just he sounded really New York in, in that that point. Yeah. So, um, see, where's where's Bruce from? I'm gonna click on him. I have no idea. Quick. Maybe he's from New York. I mean, he could be. Yeah, maybe. 
Uh, military family, so he's kind of all over the place. Yeah, okay. Uh, but he grew up in New Jersey. So oh, there you go. Close enough. Yeah, he's in the ballpark. Yeah. In the ballpark. So, uh, so no, no, I love all that stuff at the start. And you, you, you've got, like you know, we said Al, Al's a great character. He's, he's this mm-hmm. kind of... Because one of the big themes of the movie that you, I think you notice when you watch it a few times is um, the incompetence of higher-ups. Uh, or yeah. more specifically, not even higher-ups, specifically people who who seem to take too much enjoyment in what they're doing um, and what mm-hmm. i mean by that is the uh, the police like sort of captain who shows up who yep. who's making all these dumb decisions and he actually says at one point with the SWAT team going in he, when he gives them the order he says kick ass as they're going in and yeah. they get they get massacred they get they get destroyed yeah well because they know that they're coming like they're they're telegraphing it all well they, they do but uh, the point i'm making is though is that he is constantly incompetent and he takes all this right. pride in his work and al's constantly rolling his eyes at him because he's taking too much enjoyment in this and it's the same with the fbi when the fbi show up they're like oh yeah we're badasses we're in charge now and they're joking in fact at one point he says like oh you know when we get the terrorists we might get like maybe 25 percent casualties of the hostages and he's like i can live with yeah. that and the, the you know it's like it's a game to them and those characters are all idiots and they all meet their end and they're constantly getting in the way and making things worse. Whereas yeah. the down-to-earth people, John and Al, are, are figuring things out. They're being smart. They're, they're predicting yeah. things that are happening. They're, they're, they're assessing the situation. And I feel like, I don't think it's a movie with a message per se, but if there is a message, I, th- I feel it's like, you know, don't let your ego get the best. I, 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 which I think is funny because I, yeah. I, obviously it's hard not to watch Die Hard now and not think of, uh, you know, Brooklyn Nine Nine, right? And think, <laughs> yeah, you know? it's Jake Peralta's favorite movie yeah. of all time. He, um, he constantly, constantly is trying to have his John and, and the trailer for season six even has like yeah. a recreation of Die Hard. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's hard to think about that. But I think what's funny about that is he he loves the idea of being John McClane, and he 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 loves the idea of being in Die Hard s moments. But I think right. the message of this movie is that the people who love this stuff and take you know enjoyment out in it. Although idiots who don't get things done properly, who who make mistakes, and John McClane is the one who doesn't enjoy it, and because he doesn't enjoy it, he's thinking about things clearly. He's you know succeeding, he's surviving, he's outwitting the villains. Right. Well, you just described Jake Peralta to a T <laughs> in that too, so I feel like sure. the, he's more of a likable idiot though than a, a an yeah, asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't do things out of spite like like the cops and and Die Hard do. The LA cops will say. Um, but, but yeah, and then when the FBI shows up, it, it goes even more sideways because you got those guys hmm. thinking that they, you know, that they got all of this. Agent Johnson so, and Johnson, no relation. Yeah, <laughs> big and little Johnson is listed on, on Wiki. So, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so, no, uh, but I, I, I think it's, I was just wondering something I was noticing is that all the authority figures in this who seem to think they're awesome, uh, or you know everything but basically so yep. well, and, it, and, it's, and it's al who is kind of a, a mess up because he he by mistake he mistakenly shoots a kid with a toy gun and he's on desk duty so he's kind of the, the scene by the other cops as a mess up but he ends up being instrumental in and in getting this i mean done. yeah if, if you want to read into that you, you could argue that um, part of the reason why he is a much better cop is because he's had to live with the mistake. So he under- he understands the weight of his decisions. He understands exactly. the weight of what he's doing. Uh, arguably, McLean, um, we don't know if he's necessarily had a mistake on the job like that, uh, mm-hmm. but he's made a mistake with his wife. So he's a character who who is living with a mistake and maybe understands the weight of of what he's doing. Um, uh, <laughs> there's a cameo happening right now. Uh-oh. Uh, back half, Uh-oh. half of the screen. Yeah, hey, actually... go away. <laughs> I'm glad you're home. Bye bye. <laughs> so, yeah, nah. So, I mean, maybe maybe I'm analyzing Die Hard too much. I don't know. If, I don't know no, if Die Hard's a movie that's supposed to be analyzed in the traditional. I don't know, sense, but I feel but... like I feel like with all the think pieces that get written nowadays, I would I would like one smartly written about Die Hard and about what what you're suggesting about the different like, you know, the people at the top not not knowing exactly what they're doing hmm. and you know. Uh, not willing to own their mistakes. In fact, hell, even uh, what I was saying about the people who think they're awesome, uh, that even kind of applies to Ellis. He's not in the law enforcement side, but right uh, again, he thinks he's this, 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 well, you know, even, badass even exec. Cooper. Yeah, 
Goober Goober thinks he has everything figured out, but McLean, you know, is is the the what, what's that? He gets in the, in the gears. He mucks it up. There's there's a saying. I I, uh, I think Gruber's better off than a lot of the other characters we're talking about because Gruber is pretty smart. He's not. He's not hot-headed in the same way. But it's notable that when he finally loses, yeah. he loses because he is hot-headed. Or not hot-headed, right. maybe that's not the right phrase. He he loses because he actually wants vengeance. Because the whole right. movie, he's very smart. He's like, no, McLean doesn't... Because earlier on in the movie, Carl wants to kill him. And the cops are coming. Right. And he's like, Carl, you've got him trapped in the elevator. Don't, you know, just don't engage. Because the noise will be loud just we've got him trapped he's not he's not a threat anymore it doesn't matter but at the end of the movie when he shows up you know and you know he's got holly at gunpoint and the other guy's there the other guy is going to shoot him he's like no no no, he's mine like that that is the moment where hans gruber loses it's the moment where he says no don't shoot him he's mine his his own uh anger got in the way of his victory here Mm -hmm. and that's why he loses so yeah uh, so I, I like that. I like that about him. Is that he's actually really smart until John McClane gets under his skin, and that's when he loses. Um, yeah, it's a unifying factor in, in yeah. the antagonist. Well, it's, it's actually one of the uh, my, one of my favorite little lines of the, the movie is when it's after the whole shoot the glass thing. They've been hunting John down upstairs. They come back to mm-hmm. the, the hostage area, and Carl, the long haired guy, like starts smashing yeah. the drink trolley, and Holly just smiles and says. He's alive, and the, you know, the yeah. woman's like, "Wait, how do you know?" He's like, "Quick, as only one person can get under his skin that much." <laughs> yeah, there's only yeah. Oh, that's such a good one too. Uh, so now, I, I, now I need to get caught up on Brooklyn Nine Nine because I can see so many parallels between did, that did, cast and and this movie. Did you watch uh, last season? No, uh, about halfway. Oh, did you then, get to episode Nine Nine? I don't think so. Okay, I'll just say they visit Nakatomi yeah. Plaza. Yes, okay, I saw that you one. You saw that one, okay. That's, that's, yep. that's what I was trying to bring up. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, I saw, which, by the way, if you didn't know ahead. this, it's actually the Fox building, which they were in the process yeah. of building at the time. Mm-hmm. So they let them use it. Well, A, it was a Fox movie, but also it wasn't in use right. yet. So it was like, hey, right. yeah, go use it. It's very, yeah, I told, I told my wife that next time we're in LA, we have to drive past it, at least go to Century City and go see it. Because uh, it's still unchanged, it's still Nakatomi Plaza. Yeah. So, and I think they even have the sign up still. So you know. Oh, does it actually say Nakatomi the on it? I I think so. Okay, I've seen that's cool. pictures. It might not be there anymore, but yeah, I've been to the Back to the Future Mall, so now Nakatomi is is, is the one. Uh, I Twin Pines, yes. Yeah, Twin Pines. Nice. Well, after after Timeline got rewritten, it wasn't Lone Lone Pine. It was Lone Pine, yes. Yes, uh, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, see if, see if oh. you went back in time again and smashed the other pain, would you have called it No Pain Mall? <laughs> mm, probably. Maybe. Because it was. <laughs> I don't know. It depends how much those pine trees meant to him before he decided to name his mall. Yeah. So I can't remember the name of the farmer that was there. That's why I stopped myself. Oh, I can't remember either. No. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I remember a lot of things about Back to the Future. The name of that farmer is not. Yeah, well, weirdly, Back to the Future is a Christmas movie for my family because I was always on unwrapping presents, so I tend to watch it around this time. Yeah, that's weird. Okay, um, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a weird thing. I don't expect anybody else to, but I'll. Uh, it's about coming up. Yeah, so, I, I like watching watch Antichrist Christmas. on Christmas Day. <laughs> of course you would, because it's, it's a cheery film for the whole family. Um, yeah, because chaos reigns. <laughs> I'm ca- before I want to comment to ask if my, my mental health is okay I, I'm, I'm joking it's fine <laughs> I, might, I might enjoy some selenate deadly night and black christmas and christmas evil on yes. christmas day but <laughs> not <Yeah>. antichrist <laughs> no so, um, yeah, but so. yeah die hard I mean there, there's not much else because y- y- we always try to balance it and go well this is what doesn't work but like this one is it's pretty solid like you know, uh, I'm trying to think of some other stuff, but I, I really can't. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I've got any critiques, if I've got anything that was... Do you know what? I felt like I had one early on in the movie. Because I, 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 I remember thinking to myself, oh, I'm going to bring this up as a minor critique, but I actually can't remember what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, the the fun and enjoyment of Die Hard is, uh, is, is, is masked anything I could have thought negatively. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Um, I think it was just something that so... I thought happened too quick, but uh, I can't remember what it is now. Okay. So, so, Die Hard, a Christmas movie, yes or no? Yes. Well, okay. sort of a dumb question is well, that? Well, because there's, 
Pe- people have come out, I think, that have worked on it and have said that it's not because it was released in July. Um, but So what? <laughs> it takes place at Christmas. It's a Christmas party. That's the whole reason for John coming out. It's like... Um, and we watch it every Christmas. They, like, they, they drive off as it snows as uh, Let It Snow plays. Uh, that's the yeah. end of the movie. That's There is constant references to Christmas. I know. I, I, I will not accept this. <laughs> I know. I'm just telling you what, what other people have said. And I don't care if you feel it's not a Christmas movie because it is to me. You know, I, I would you accept. I, I actually would agree with someone that Lethal Weapon isn't really a Christmas movie. I mean, it's kind of set yeah. at Christmas, but it's such a minor part towards the end of the movie, yeah. really. But it feels like it is. Uh, whereas Die Hard oh. to me feels like the whole thing set in Christmas Eve. It feels more like a Christmas movie yeah. to me. But yeah, I was gonna say Cough, Iron Man Three, Cough. Uh, here's, here's the thing. Here's what I th- here's where I think Die Hard and Die Hard Two as well, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Feels like a Christmas movie. It's less about the spirit of Christmas. It's more about the fact that it's Christmas Eve, so there's that feeling of everything's wrapping up for Christmas, and we're on that yeah. final countdown. And that's why um, you know the, the building's quiet. It's why. Uh, like I don't know, it's, it has that. There's that feeling of Christmas Eve where it's it's where we're nigh on the day, and I feel like that feeling right. is in Die Hard, and that's why it's the one long right. night before before Christmas. Uh, and Die Hard Two has that because it's everyone flying in for the holidays. It's does that right. it build up to Christmas that I think is there in the movie, even though it's not about the build up to Christmas, but it feels like that night. So right. it's a Christmas movie. Yeah, no. Shut up, you're a bunch yeah. of idiots. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I get filled with the the spirit of Christmas watching John McClane ice some some terrorists, so or thieves, whatever we want to call them. But but yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. This is one of these ones that sometimes talking about the classics is almost harder to do because it's like mm-hmm. I've been watching this since I was a kid. How how critical or analytical can I, I really be? The the one thing that though that I think that I notice about these types of movies that I did grow up watching is how well is it actually directed because that's not the sort of thing i noticed as a kid and how how good are the performances because again it's the sort of thing where all acting was good when i was a kid i don't think mm-hmm. i noticed bad acting as a kid yeah but even through adult eyes i i recognize how good the whole cast is like even down to argyle you know who's a pretty minor character yeah yeah he's, he's very likable yeah and he that that's his role you know he's you you know he's our eyes on the inside for what's going on in the van? Yeah, you know, he's it, in the parking garage, and it's got that so, uh, that ironic moment because he's 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 oblivious to anything's going on until it's mm-hmm. on the news, and then he's like, "Wait, shit, yep. that's where I am," and then he's like, "Yep, crap, I can hear the police chatter on the radio." No. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I just love the shots of him as as he's listening to the radio or watching stuff, and there's things going on behind him yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of importance, but yeah, like you said, he's completely oblivious. It's it's good, but yeah, no. The, the direction, the the acting, the the action set pieces, like everything just works. Yeah, there was actually there was a really good uh, feature uh, on the old two disc DVD, and it's probably on the mm-hmm. Blu-ray as well. Um, I'm not checked. Uh, it explained because you know I love my aspect ratios. There was a feature mm-hmm. uh, explaining um, why it should be watched in the original widescreen ratio and not pan and scan, and it actually showed you the mm-hmm. scene. It was it's the scene where um, Gruber and his uh, computer guy, I can't remember his name. Uh, Theo, yeah, uh, Theo. They're walking towards the vault the first time they go up there, and yeah. um, in the pan and scan version, not only is it cropped obviously heavily because it's a two point three five to one movie, but because they're either side of the frame talking to each other, the camera has to pan back and you know it's not even a pan really. Oh. It's, it's you know the, it has to move between them. It's a scan. Yeah, yeah. So so it's it's doing this thing where there's a move that wasn't intended by the director, and it's like I, I always remember watching that way back when I got the DVD back in like two thousand two or whatever it was when I got the DVD. Yeah. Um, the, the the movie that turned me off of pan and scan was was ghostbusters because i had always watched it and i knew how certain things were were staged and there was a scene i can't remember which scene it was but it does that weird scan so it gets all of the ghostbusters in one scene mm-hmm. where normally they would have just been there on the widescreen and i was like oh no this is terrible so oh, i yeah. made my dad take the dvd back ghostbusters and it like, was like no yeah give me the Give me the widescreen, please. Ghostbusters is a great movie to show why you have to have the right ratio because you, when the, mm-hmm. the four of them stand in a line, you can't see all four of them on the pan and scan. Right. <laughs> you right. have to you have to give the original ratio to see them. So, so I'm gonna go. have to check because I watched this on DVD because I don't have this on Blu-ray. Weirdly, uh, but I have the old. Uh, I wonder if it's on the DVD I have, which is part of the three-pack. 
with one, two, and three. It may um, or may not be. I don't know. Uh, it was on his second yeah, disc. I'm, I'm going to look for this. I don't know that much. Yeah. But um, so, worth having a look. Uh, also, just I love thing. watching those old. I love watching those old DVDs just for the old menus. Oh yeah. Is how far we've come with Blu-ray, <laughs> and just how like quaint they feel now. Yeah, so. there's a real sort of nostalgia to them almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as I say, I also I associate Ode to Joy with Die Hard because of when they open the vault yeah. and Ode to Joy plays, and so I mm-hmm. I can't hear that and not think of Hans Gruber basically having an orgasm because he's seeing all these all these Birabons. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of of the the fifth one, they use that in the trailer a lot. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, even even to the studio. Ode to Joy is is Die Hard. That's true. No, that's true. I can't I can't fault mm-hmm. that. But no, you're absolutely right there too, because I hear it. I hear it run this time every year, and I was like, "Yep, oh, this is, this is the vault." So yeah, no. uh, so yeah, uh, so yeah. So we talked about Die Hard. Uh, we brought up some some character and themes and, and things and and potential analysis that one may have. Although by all means, I'm everyone's seen Die Hard. I'm sure you have your own thoughts. So please do tell us in the comments. Uh, oh, we should rate the movie, I suppose. I mean, it feels pointless, but... We should. Uh, what are you giving Die Hard? You go first. Oh, okay, no, fine. It's a 10. Get... It's a 10. Is it, okay. it is the perfect action movie. I have nothing to, to take away from it. Yeah, okay. As long as... I didn't want to be, like, me, you know... I, I grade things easier than Pete does, so I didn't want to be, like, 10 right out the gate. If I give it 10.5, I would, but, you know, <laughs> it's... It is. It's a classic. It's, it's one of those that... Again, I any excuse like Pete told me we're watching Die Hard because a little peek behind the curtain. I usually don't know what his pick is until he tells me what we're watching. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he said we're watching Die Hard, it's like, oh, cool. I, I'm already gonna watch it anyways. So it's, it's Die Hard. Yeah. It's December and it's Die Hard. It's happening. <laughs> So, yeah. Uh, so let us know what you think of Die Hard and your own thoughts on the movie in the comments. Like and subscribe, all that stuff. It does help us out a lot. It helps YouTube pimping out the video. You needs the, the likes and the comments to do it. Um, also, uh, you can support us by going over to patreon.com slash TV, and you can support us um, over there for as little as a dollar per month. Uh, of course, uh, you get to vote on this at the $5 tier and the voting for next month uh, is going to be a yearly thing where every December for January's votes will be a collection of movies that lost earlier in the year and that's across all the voting so we've both picked one um for, for this vote that lost earlier in the year from before so i picked the barbs matt picked ellie confidential so you can go and vote on that if you haven't already um uh, but that's us so thank you very much uh i should have made a christmas version of the overlay for this one actually since we're doing a christmas yeah, movie. sure that's okay though yeah because the I, red I, works the red you know it actually works better because that's i'm looking at the poster right now uh, and it's black and red so sure because yeah. uh, cause I've got one for Screams because we always do Christmas movies and Screams every year right. but, uh, but, hey, uh, but that is us so thank you once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it get us on Twitter at mailed underscore fudge for channel updates but otherwise that is us so thank you once again we'll see you next time keep watching movies guys goodbye <laughs>